Good morning, Calvary. Please need to preface this with, uh, last week I was sick and my voice is still recovering. So, as Ben likes to say, Jesus is sufficient. And I'm pretty sure the cough drop he gave me was from the black market, so I think I'll be okay. <laughs> so today, Calvary, we are continuing in our series called Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. And we are working through the Gospel of Mark. And today has us in Mark chapter 14, verse 12 through 25. And as we head into this passage today, in many ways it reminded me of the story of when Jesus heals the woman who has the flow of blood. And in that story, that woman is desperate for healing. And if only she could take hold of Christ, then she would be healed. And that's really the burden of today's message, that you, Calvary, me, would take hold of Christ. Because we need Him. And so what I want you to see as we go through this passage are three reasons why we should take hold of Christ, our Passover Lamb. Because one, we need a fill-in or a substitute. Two, we need freedom. And finally, three, we need a future. So we need a fill-in, freedom, and a future. And so what I'll do now is I'll pray. We'll read through the passage. And then to set that up, I need to share a little bit about the context of Passover and what's going on. So... That's sort of where we'll be going. So let's pray, and then we can read Mark chapter 14, verse 12 through 25. Father, we ask that you would help us to incline our ears to you, that by the power of your Spirit we would come to you right now, that when we come we would hear from you, and that we would hear so that our souls might live. And so God, would you use me to do that? Would you use a, a broken vessel like me to bring your truth to your people? And anything that's not from you, would we forget it? And would we cling to what is true? And we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mark chapter 14, verse 12 through 25. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city. And a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house. The teacher says, where's my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out, 
and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So first, some context. So what I'm about to share comes from a book I was reading to help prepare for this. And I say that so in case if it's helpful, I can, and you want to know, you can ask me afterwards. I'll tell you if you don't find it helpful, you can blame it on the author. So, but here's what he says about Passover for Jews in Jesus' day. The Passover meal had to be prepared in a certain way and had a distinct form. It included four points at which the presider, holding a glass of wine, got up and explained the feast's meaning. The four cups of wine represented the four promises made by God in Exodus chapter 6. These promises were for, one, rescue from Egypt, two, for freedom from slavery, three, for redemption by God's divine power, and four, for a renewed relationship with God. The third cup came at a point when the meal was almost completely eaten. The presider would use words from Deuteronomy 26 to bless the elements, the bread, herbs, the lamb, by explaining how they were symbolic reminders of various aspects of the early Israelites' captivity and deliverance. For example, he would show them the bread and say, this is the bread of our affliction, which our fathers ate in the wilderness. So it's very likely that in our passage, when we get to Jesus with his disciples in that upper room, 
they are on that third cup of wine. And so we see that going on, all the preparations taking place. And so let's go on to that first point now with some of that background information in mind. First, we should take hold of Christ, our Passover lamb, because we need a fill-in. In other words, we need someone to be our substitute. I can remember the Passover background and even more of this. What was the Passover? What was reminding of when God rescued and redeemed Israel? And he did that by sending ten different plagues on Egypt. And on the last plague, he sent the firstborn male of every family would die unless they put the blood of a lamb on their doorposts. Then God's judgment would pass over that home. And that family would be spared. And so that was a tangible, visual, concrete way for Israel to realize that they needed someone to fill in for them. They needed a substitute to take their place. Otherwise, they had God's judgment to face. And so we, like Israel, need someone to fill in for us, to take our place, because we all deserve God's judgment and His wrath. As we look back at our passage, we know it's Passover. It says it multiple times. Verse 12 says, And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? So it's Passover. And Jesus gives him these really mysterious instructions to, you know, find this person who has this thing and go to this place and give them this sign and they'll let you in. And most likely what's going on is that Jesus wants this to be hidden or secretive, probably because he doesn't want Judas to know. That if Judas were to know too soon, he could give Jesus over to the authorities too soon before he had finished everything he needed to do before the cross. So he keeps it a secret from most of the disciples until right at the last minute. Well, what's even more incredible is that during this meal, Jesus identifies himself with the Passover lamb. Look at verses 22 through 24 with me. It says, And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, here's some bread. It doesn't say that. It says, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So Jesus is saying, This bread, my body, this is my affliction. I am heading to my suffering. And very soon, my blood will be poured out as the true Passover lamb for your sins. And that's the good news of the gospel. Passover, and now for us, the Lord's Supper, communion, is a great reminder of the gospel that Jesus, the true Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world. That's what John the Baptist says when he sees Jesus, that this is the Lamb of God 
who will take away the sins of the world. God's judgment will pass over us. The incredible thing about Jesus is he does this with his disciples, knowing that every single one of them will either abandon him and one will betray him. And yet he sits down with them and he has a meal. And so Jesus' death on the cross not only will save us, but it also will show us how we are to live. That we are to live lives of self-sacrifice. And this should propel us out towards those other believers in our lives who we have conflict with, where there's tension with. That Jesus was willing to sit down and eat with people who would abandon him and betray him. And so my question for you is, for you to begin to ask, how can I sacrifice to heal this relationship? What do I need to sacrifice for this to be restored? Jesus answered that question, and he answered it by going to the cross as our Passover lamb to restore the relationship between us and God. So that takes us to number two now. We should take hold of Jesus, our Passover lamb, because we also need freedom. We need freedom. Remember the Passover again. That wasn't everything that happened. After God sends these ten plagues on Egypt, it works. And his people are free. Now granted, a lot more other stuff happens in between, but the point is, eventually, they're freed from their slavery. And they're on their way to the promised land. <clears throat> well, the same way Jesus is our true Passover lamb, sets us free. Sets us free from what? We're not in captivity to the Egyptians, but we are in captivity to our sin and to any number of different idols in our lives that we cling to. And we actually see with Judas an example of this. For Judas, he was enslaved to money. So let's read about Judas for a moment in verses 17 through 21, where Jesus predicts Judas betraying him. <clears throat> it says, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as we know from other scripture, Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Or to put it another way, a sinner like Judas is willing to sacrifice Christ 
for riches. But Christ sacrifices riches for sinners. Sinners will sacrifice Christ for riches, but Christ sacrifices riches for sinners like us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich, rich in Christ. So if you're going to let go, you'll need, excuse me, if you want to take hold of Jesus, you'll need to let go of your sin. You'll need to let go of whatever that idol is that you're clinging to. It reminds me of a silly story as a kid I used to read with my parents. It was of this uh, town, the story of a town that was terrorized by goblins. The goblins would come in and steal the produce or steal the livestock, and it was a real nuisance for this town. And so one day a man decided to do something about it. He was very manly of him. He, he mans up and he's going to do something, and his solution is pickles. And what he does is he has a large jar of pickles in his house. And so this hungry goblin comes to his house and he sees the pickles. And so he plunges his hand into the pickle jar and he tries to take these pickles. But he can't. His hand is stuck in the jar. And he's shrieking and hollering and he's saying, what is this magic? You know, free me from this trap. And after a while, the man says, if you let go of the pickles, you can take your hand out. And so he does, and the goblin runs away shrieking and warning the other goblins about this crazy magic that this man has. Well, in many ways, we're like that goblin, hungry for something other than Christ, that we're holding on to, that we won't let go. And Jesus is calling us to let go of whatever that thing is, that we would let go of our sin and take hold of Christ. And I just want to ask you, what is that for you? What is it that you are holding on with a goblin-like death grip that you won't let go of? Christ is calling you to let go of whatever that is. And whatever that is, Jesus has dealt with it. As Ben likes to say, Jesus is sufficient. He is more than enough. He is the true Passover lamb. And when we take communion as a body, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is a tangible reminder of what Christ has done to set us free from whatever that thing is or that sin that you're clinging to. It reminds me of what one church father said about communion. He says, when we approach the holy table, Let us not only remember in general that the world has been redeemed by the blood of Christ, but let everyone consider for himself that his own sins have been expiated. So, Calvary, that takes us to our third and final reason 
We need to take hold of Christ. We should take hold of Christ, our Passover lamb, because we need a future. We need a future. For pastors today, we live in a great time to remind people of how broken the world is. The world is broken. I'm broken, obviously. Can't talk like I usually talk. People are sick. People have pain. People have suffering. And every single one of us will die. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't simply save us from God's wrath in the here and now, but that what he saves us to is a new heavens and a new earth where there will be no more pain and no more suffering, where we will get to be with our Passover lamb, Christ, perfectly. No sin, no suffering. And when we get to be with him, we'll have a meal with Christ. And that is the meal that Jesus, in this passage, is looking forward to. He's longing for that day. Look at verse 25. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus has that great day in mind when we will get to be with Him. I love the way one pastor put this. He says, But at the Lord's table, the Lord Himself invites us back into His presence. When Jesus says to His disciples, Take and eat, He reverses the words of the serpent of the serpent in the garden. Jesus reverses the words of the serpent in the garden. Satan told Adam and Eve, take and you will live. And they took and they died. But Christ says, take me, eat me, and you will live. And one day you will live with him forever. And Calvary, this struck me afresh this week of just thinking of the joy and the wonder of simply getting to be with Christ. And that He is enough. That if you have Him, He is enough. And that's the great news of the Gospel. That Jesus takes us to God. That we get to be with Him. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? That He might bring us to God. That is great news. The theologian Jonathan Edwards said that when we go to heaven, 
And when we see the face of God in heaven, it will be a truly happifying experience. That's his word. Truly happifying experience to see God, to see Christ. And I wonder if Edwards had Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 through 5, when he said that. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. That will be a truly happifying experience. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Jesus, our Passover lamb, who takes away our sin so that we aren't swept away by your wrath. Would you help us this morning to take hold of Jesus and by your Spirit to never let go? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.